At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare this is the run line Welcome back. Hour number two of The Run Line. Brady Cannon and Adam Burke with you live from the Circa Resort and Casino in downtown Las Vegas on a Sunday evening here watching Sunday night baseball between the Red Sox and the Yankees. Not much to watch for the New York Yankees. Only two hits on the board off of Michael Walker tonight. The Red Sox continue to lead this ball game three to nothing and they are now back in the home half of the seventh inning at Fenway Park. This has been all Michael uh, Michael Waka and all Red Sox all night long. Uh, the Yankees just haven't been able to muster anything. Yeah, so uh, Michael Waka, nine strikeouts over seven innings. He's only walked one. And also, you know, the Yankees, one of the things that's been a hallmark for them all season long, specifically with Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton, has been they've been one of the top teams in average exit velocity on batted balls, and they've been one of the top teams in hard hit percentage and a hard hit ball defined as an exit velocity of at least 95 miles per hour. Two such batted balls against Waka tonight of 95 plus miles per hour. So this is uh, not what we're typically used to seeing from the Yankees. um, Or Michael Waka. Or Michael Waka, for that matter. All their top four guys have struck out. Uh, Three of them have struck out at least twice. And when you look at this Yankees team, the bottom of the order is is pretty concerning. You know, I mean, unless Aaron Judge is carrying them or Giancarlo Stanton is back and healthy, uh, like Benintendi is a quality player. Anthony Rizzo will hit some home runs, will walk. Low batting average guy, you deal with that because of the walks and the home runs. But this lineup, if you can get Judge out, you can beat this lineup. And that's what's been happening here of late where, you know, Judge has been mostly fine. But as we talked about already, they miss Stanton quite a bit. Red Sox up three to nothing, bottom of the seventh with one out, and your in-game total is now at four. You can lay uh, two and a half runs with the Red Sox, and it'll cost you minus one seventy-five. And the Yankees get out of the inning. There is that two outs. No, that is uh, that's going to get the Yankees to the top of the eighth inning here. So three to nothing, headed to the top of the eighth at Fenway Park. Uh, let's look into the future, my friend. Some futures markets here, and there's a couple divisions left in baseball where uh, we certainly have a race going on, and we'll start in the National League Central where you have the Milwaukee Brewers and the St. Louis Cardinals. Really, it seems like all season long the Milwaukee Brewers have been in first place, but just in the last couple of weeks they have been overtaken by the St. Louis Cardinals, and right now the Cardinals are a pretty decent-sized favorite to win this division Minus 185, and the Brewers are plus 135. You know, the Cardinals, and it's easy to say, the, first of all, let me back up a second. The, the Cardinals are one of those organizations that, to me, is like 
the Baltimore Ravens or the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, they're just a solid business that continues to flourish and, and make a profit, if you will, year in and year out. Uh, it's almost like you just blindly bet the over on the season win total for the Cardinals because they almost always seem to find a way to figure it out. Um, and they have looked very good over the past couple of weeks, m- much better than the Brewers, who really have just kind of taken the wrong turn, it seems like, here. Uh, it, maybe it started with Josh Hader when he gave up that grand slam. It just seems like it's kind of been a trickle-down effect from there. But do you do you look at the plus 135 on the Brewers and think uh, that's a bet you want to make? Real quick, to your point about the Cardinals, they have one losing season since 1999. <laughs> Unbelievable. They have one losing season since the Y2K scare. That was back in 2007, and they went 78 and 84. So it's not like they completely bottomed out yeah. or anything like that. Uh, definitely a team that you know almost perennially is in the running for the playoffs or makes it. And look, I really like what they did at the trade deadline. I love Jordan Montgomery. I think Jordan Montgomery is a dramatically underrated starting pitcher. We'll see what kind of contract he gets uh, in his walk year here. But I like Jose Quintana too. And the thing about the Cardinals is – Every year, they're good defensively. Mm-hmm. Every single year. Fundamental baseball. They, right. And, you know, look, I mean, from a sabermetric standpoint, since I'm well in tune with the advanced stats, they're not always, you know, great in that regard. But, you know, they don't beat themselves. And, and there's something to be said about that. The back end of the bullpen is actually pretty solid for this group, too. So I do think that they're a pretty interesting team as we go forward. Uh, you know, obviously, their offense really carried by Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt. I don't want to give up faith in the Brewers just yet. You know, the Cardinals had a really good trade deadline. It was a a big-time positive across the clubhouse. The Brewers didn't have that. They traded Josh Hader. They talked to Devin Williams right after, who Devin Williams benefits from Josh Hader not being there because now he's in the closer role, and he was at a complete loss for words. You could tell he was extremely upset and was not trying to be publicly critical, but you could get the vibe that he wasn't the only one in that clubhouse who didn't really understand what was going on with that trade. And I was shocked by it myself. And, and, you know, now for the Brewers, really since then, they've been kind of treading water. You know, they've sort of mm-hmm. been up and down mm-hmm. here. And it didn't help that they lost this series this weekend to the Cardinals. That's definitely something you don't want to see for them. Seems but, like that's kind of in their head, too. And, and here's the problem, right? So now St. Louis plays Colorado at home. So the Rockies are on the road, which is never a good thing for them. <laughs> They're at Arizona. They play a five-game series against the Cubs. They play three against the Braves, and they play the Reds and the Cubs again. So the Brewers are going to have to try and keep pace here because the Cardinals should continue to stay hot. So that's what would kind of make me shy away from a Brewers plus money bet here to win the Central is that it doesn't look like they're going to gain any ground anytime soon, and it'll come down to the head-to-head games in September, of which there's only four of them. Let's look at the American League Central, which is also another good race division-wise, and your Cleveland Guardians are out in front. They now have a two-and-a-half game lead over the Chicago White Sox and the Minnesota Twins, who dropped another one to the Los Angeles Angels earlier today. Uh, my partner, James Salinas, on the VEASAN Bet Center over the weekends, uh, he bet the Guardians, I want to say it was about three, three weeks ago, maybe four weeks ago, he bet them to win the division at 4-1. to one. Right now, they are plus 115. They are the favorite. The White Sox are at plus 180, and the Twins are now the third choice at plus 240. Now, I think you certainly, as a student of the game, Adam, realize that the Twins were pretty lucky, uh, especially to begin the season. 
the Guardians have been my team that I've had my eye on in this division because I just do not like the White Sox. I, there's a lot of people that want to talk about how easy their schedule is down the stretch. I don't care. I don't think this team's very good. Yeah, you know, I, I've been talking about the White Sox to win the Central all season long. I finally bet it during the All-Star break. And now without Tim Anderson, I mean, it's a significant loss for them at the top of the order. A guy that mauled lefties, a guy that was actually pretty league average against righties, which is something that they don't really have. They miss him a lot. And and this is a team that I, I don't know if there's some kind of friction in the clubhouse. I, I don't know what the issue is with this team, but they're way too talented to have the record that they do. I would agree. I, I think it comes down to management. You know, they're yeah. sloppy. I don't think they play fundamentally sound baseball. And I think that goes to Tony La Russa. You know, I yeah. mean, we, we know that when a team's very well disciplined and sometimes plays above its head, uh, you, you look to the manager and say he's doing a great job. I think it, and. And I, I don't want to diss on Tony Larusa, and he's doing an awful job, but I mean, it, it seems to reflect that. Like you said, this team has a ton of talent, but they just don't really live up to it. So one of the things that I've always talked about, because again, I mean, I am uh, kind of a black and white guy. You know, I'm, I'm a big time stats guy across all of the That's sports, why you like the white side, black and white. Right, exactly. But teams take on the identity of their manager. Of mm-hmm. their head coach, mm-hmm. you know that's just that's just kind of how it goes. That that dynamic being a leader of men is is really an interesting thing across all of sports, and I I don't think that the White Sox identify with Tony Larusa. I thought it was a terrible hire to begin with, and they had it out because Larusa got that DUI shortly after he was hired, and it was a hire that was widely disliked in the baseball community by stats guys by reporters, by a lot of different people. Just wasn't a good fit for that team. And we're kind of seeing that play out now. And, you know, look, I I don't think the Guardians are a very good team, to be totally honest with you. They don't make a lot of contact quality at all whatsoever. Their offense gets very lucky because they're a first to third team. They've got a lot of athletic guys. They don't play station-to-station baseball like the White Sox do. That's definitely hurt them. And the Twins are a station-to-station team too. So the Guardians kind of create offense in a lot of different ways. I don't like anything about the bridge to Emmanuel Classe in the bullpen. I think there are a lot of guys that concern me there, but they can still win this division because I don't like the Twins. I don't think the right. Twins are that good of a team. They're getting maybe four innings per start out of you know two third, or well, I guess four of the five guys in their rotation. They're not getting anybody to work deep into games. The bullpen's been overworked all year long. I don't think the offense is all that good. So I mean, the Guardians can win that division. Well, and I think they're the one team that impresses me that they go out there and they suit up and play hard every day for their manager. I, I love Terry Francona, and I root for this team because I like Francona. I thought it was because uh, of me. <laughs> yeah, that too, that too. <laughs> I, I know you're a Cleveland fan. Um, but, uh, you know, that that why it's easy to root for this team, not only because my affinity for their manager, but you talked about it, a team reflects their manager. I, I think Cleveland certainly does. Yeah, I think and, the case is true for them as well. And look, I mean, they're a really, really good defensive team. They're mm-hmm. an extremely good defensive team, and that helps them a ton. Look, I don't, I don't expect anything out of this team in the playoffs if they get there, but they can certainly – I mean, this is a pillow fight of a division. It's a, it's a bad division, and they can definitely win it. And I will say I'd be really interested tomorrow. I know we're going to talk about tomorrow's card here in a couple of minutes, but Xavion Curry makes his Major League debut uh, in Game 2 of the doubleheader at home tomorrow against the Tigers. Big series for Cleveland, four against Detroit. You've got to win those games. We've already talked about the importance of beating the teams you're supposed to beat. So uh, this doubleheader kicks off a really big week for Cleveland as they take on the White Sox here this weekend as well. Uh, Speaking of the White Sox, one more quick question before we get out of here. This is a positive for the Chicago White Sox. Dylan Cease, 
Uh, the American League Cy Young Award market, Justin Verlander's your favorite at minus 150. Dylan Cease at 2-1. to one. Would you take a shot with him? So I talked about Dylan Cease at 25-1 to one before he <laughs> went on this run. Of course, stupid me, didn't bet it. But I did talk <laughs> about it because he was facing a lot of really bad teams and he's been dominant against them. I couldn't take the 2-1 to one now because for better or worse, you know, the voters look at it and say, well, did the team make the playoffs? Yeah. And I don't know if the White Sox can make the playoffs. Well, isn't Verlander going to get the sympathy vote too? Probably, yeah. I, I mean, he that. would get mine. I, I'm a sucker. I, I think this guy's been a phenomenal story all year long. Uh, we will get to those games on Monday that you have uh, teased here a couple times throughout the program. It is time to do that next up as we roll on here inside the run line at VSIN. to learn more. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. You found Visa's premier baseball betting show. This is the run line. Baseball predictions made brighter. Join the Born in a Ballpark Challenge presented by Blue Moon to compete free for cash all season. Enter weekly prediction pools to fight for your share of $62,500 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Blue Moon now to join the action. Blue Moon, made brighter. 21 years and over only terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Please drink responsibly. Brady Cannon and Adam Burke with you here inside the run line. And the Boston Red Sox uh, have more runs than the Yankees right now. Three to nothing in the bottom half of the eighth inning. The total has been pulled down from the live market, at least momentarily anyway. Uh, It may be down for good as we get into the bottom half of the eighth inning here. But uh, not so good right now uh, are the post-All-Star break New York Yankees. They came into tonight 8-13 since the break. Looks like they're going to drop to 8-4. 14 and lose another half game in the standings. Uh, they currently do lead the Toronto Blue Jays by 10 and a half games. Uh, Adam, what is your thought as far as winning the division, winning the AL East for the Yankees? Is it in jeopardy at all? No. Okay. No, they're not going to. I mean, they have way too much of a cushion, I think. Uh, over a Toronto team, it's also struggling quite yeah, significantly. Really? Uh, they're up 10 and a half right now. Looks like it may go down to 10 based on the result of this game, but. No, I couldn't really see them you know, letting this lead slip away. Uh, and, and like I said, I mean, Toronto's not 
playing overly well right now. No. Tampa Bay has no offense whatsoever. So the Yankees are still safe for not only the division, but also one of the buys. You know, they'll avoid the wild card round. But interesting to note here that the Red Sox have not won a series this season against an AL East opponent. And they're on they're knocking on the door of it here. They did win a one game series against Baltimore, but <laughs> it doesn't doesn't really count. So they haven't won a multi-game series against an AL East opponent so far this season, and they haven't won a series against the Yankees since last July, uh, 22nd through the 25th. So, uh, you know, nice little stepping stone for them here, but uh, the Red Sox are off tomorrow, whereas the Yankees, as we talked about already, they'll go home, they'll wind up sending Garrett Cole to the mound against the Rays, where the Rays will send an opener, and then probably Ryan Yarborough, who I don't think matches up particularly well against this Yankees lineup, despite the fact that, you know, the Yankees lineup hasn't really matched up all that well against itself here lately, where they've definitely had some issues. Well, if you look at, uh, I, I don't believe that game is on the board yet because the uh, Tampa Bay starter has not been named. Uh, yeah, no, I'm not seeing that one on the rotation. I'm sure Garrett Cole is going to be a decent-sized favorite. In yeah, yeah, I would think so. And and Garrett Cole, he hasn't been super sharp. Of I mean, last time out he was great in that Luis Castillo-Garrett Cole kind of instant classic game, but I know he's had some bumps in the road, but uh, this this Tampa Bay offense without Wander Franco is is not good, not good at all. So Garrett Cole should be able to have success tomorrow, and we'll see what the Yankees are able to do offensively in that one. Well, we will continue the rest of the show looking at the Monday card in Major League Baseball. And speaking of the American League East, the Baltimore Orioles are in Toronto to kick off a three-game set with the Blue Jays, Baltimore comes in at 59 and 55. They have lost two in a row, and they are now a game and a half outside of the wild card race in the American League. And you mentioned Toronto struggling. They have dropped seven of their last 10. They're now 10 and a half games behind the Yankees. Could be 10 after the Yankees uh, finish up what looks to be a loss in Fenway. Uh, the uh, again, Blue Jays, 10 and a half games currently. It'll be Kyle Bradish and Yusei Kikuchi on the bump. Those are your scheduled starters in Toronto on Monday. Yeah, so we're going to work in the regression report here as we go through some of these games. We'll talk about the Blue Jays here first, and we'll talk about the Mariners in a second. But Matt Chapman came into this game betting 313 with a 421 on base and a 719 slugging percentage in the second half. Hit a 400 batting average on balls in play today. 0 for 4, struck out three times. So Ben and I have a running joke. Anytime we do the regression report, we usually send in the notes on Friday. Uh, and whatever we send in for the regression report, it already happens before we start talking <laughs> about it. So this one, same thing here today for Matt Chapman. But when your strikeout percentage is about 37%, it's very hard to have good offensive numbers. So Chapman is a guy I would absolutely look for a lot of negative regression from. And with the Blue Jays, not really performing as well offensively. They continue to struggle with men in scoring position. That's been an issue all year long. Chapman's going to come back to earth here a little bit. They're missing George Springer. He's hurt once again. Um, this Toronto offense has really, I think, they've got decent numbers, but I don't think they've been as good as people expected them to be. And keep in mind, over the last couple of years, they've sort of bounced around. They played games at their spring training complex. They played mm -hmm. games in Buffalo. Rogers Center, not quite as good of an offensive park as some of those other venues. We've kind of seen that play out a little bit here this season. Yeah, Dunedin, Florida. That was a uh, BAM box out yes. there last year for the Toronto Blue Jays. 
Um, all right, you also mentioned you wanted to talk about uh, the regression for the Seattle Mariners. They've dropped true, uh, two in a row to the Texas Rangers over the weekend. That is going to leave a mark, and we, we've talked about this throughout the program. You have to take uh, care of business against teams you should beat, and the Texas Rangers certainly qualify as one of those teams. Now, they move to Los Angeles where they will find the Los Angeles Angels waiting for them, and this is another situation. The Angels are not a great team. Seattle is going to need to take two out of three from the Angels if they want to continue their pursuit of the American League wildcard spots. Uh, and this is going to be a heck of a pitching matchup here on Monday night in Anaheim. Luis Castillo facing Shohei Otani. Yeah, so the Seattle Mariners here, since the All-Star break, batting 211 as a team going into today's game, 211 as a team, 295 on base, just a 351 slugging percentage. And Julio Rodriguez has missed pretty significant time since the All-Star break. He had a wrist issue pop up right after uh, the home run derby, basically. Now he's on the IL with it. He should be coming back pretty soon. Ty France has missed a little bit of time as well. They did get Mitch Hanniger back, which should help them. But a lot of other guys kind of struggling all at once for this team. But because of their pitching, they've kind of been able to navigate through it and play you know, pretty decent baseball since the All-Star break, despite not having a high offensive output. This is a really, really good Seattle Mariners bullpen. Their offense will get better. There are too many talented players for their offense to continue to put forth such anemic numbers like they have since the All-Star break. And again, Julio Rodriguez will be coming back here soon. So only three runs today. Uh, but I would expect this offense to kind of tick up a little bit as we go forward. With that being said, they do face Shohei Otani tomorrow night. This is a total of six and a half with Luis Castillo uh, going for the Mariners. I will say this. If this line come morning time when I write the article still shows Seattle as a dog, I will play them in this game. Their I bullpen totally advantage agree with you. over the Angels is really strong. And I think at worst... Castillo and Otani probably kind of cancel each other out. Mm -hmm. And I will take Seattle's bullpen at even money or plus money or something like that uh, against this Angels pen. Because, you know, for Otani, we talk about guys on pit on you know innings limits and pitch counts and all that. We haven't heard one publicly talked about with the Angels, but when you're 15 games under 500, do you really want to push Shohei Otani that much? Unless you're planning to trade him this winter. But Artie Moreno put the kibosh on that at the trade deadline, so I don't think they're going to move him at all. So that's a guy I, I would be surprised if he's out there throwing 100 pitches every time through the rotation going forward. That's a great point. I have actually bet against Otani a couple times in the last couple of months because I think it's the one time when you can get good, a good price on the other side. Right. You know, Otani is so inflated, I believe, uh, and maybe the market's catching up here a little bit, but especially when the Angels are facing a good team, and I recall uh, when I went against Otani when they played the Atlanta Braves, and, and Atlanta won that game. Um, I think you have another situation here, and, and you brought it up. If the Mariners are sitting there at plus money, uh, when we wake up on Monday morning, a possible bet on Seattle, uh, getting a good price with a very good ball club, going against, yes, you have a star in Otani, but basically a bad baseball team. Right, and look, Otani's great, don't get me wrong, but how many times have we seen Sandy Alcantara for the Marlins pitch really, really well and he gets zero run support whatsoever. This Angels offense is not good, and they're facing a guy in Castillo who is really, really good. And also, there's a point to be made here, and this is something that I don't think we've completely missed the boat on, but something that we'll have to think about next season. There's something to be said about a starting pitcher going from one league to the other one because the Angels have not seen Luis Castillo. They never play the Reds. Good point. 
And Castillo's a guy that's really, really good. High strikeout rate, high ground ball rate, very stingy, hard to score runs off of. He should be dominant against this Angels lineup tomorrow. Otani may be dominant, but I think that Castillo has the higher ceiling in this start with the better bullpen. So I, I... I would say wrong team favorite here, to be totally honest with you. All right, real quick here. The Tigers are in Cleveland to face the Guardians in what is scheduled to be a doubleheader, Drew Hutchison versus uh, Aaron Savali in the opener. And this is division leader hosting division bottom feeder. The Guardians on top, Detroit bringing up the rear and also nursing a seven-game losing skid. Guardians minus 222 on the overnight line right now with a total of eight. So Aaron Savali pitched really well for three innings against the Tigers last time out, and then it completely fell apart in the fourth inning. I will say this for Savali. The stuff has been a lot more dynamic since he came off the injured list the first time. So that's something I would look for here in this one. But Xavion Curry is what I'm looking at. High strikeout rate, decent walk rates, extreme fly ball guy. Look at the weather forecast in Cleveland for game two tomorrow because Curry, if it's humid and the ball is going to carry, could struggle. If not... I think he has a pretty good uh, Major League debut against the Tigers. Aaron Judge, the top of the ninth inning at Fenway Park. Aaron Judge at bat for the Yankees, a 2-2 count with one out. They trail the Red Sox 3 to nothing. We'll be right back with the run line in just a moment. Regular. You found Visa's premier baseball betting show. This is the run line. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vcin.com to check the current betting splits data. You want to know where the money and the bets are moving for every game? The betting splits page is updated every 10 minutes so you can see the changes in all of the action. Find out where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. You can not only check out today's action, but future events as well. Betting splits are another way that VEASAN is here to make you a smarter better year-round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at vcin.com. Brady Cannon and Adam Burke with you here inside the run line, and it is all over in Fenway. Three to nothing, the Boston Red Sox blank the New York Yankees and take the series two games to one. That is the first multi-game series victory for the Boston Red Sox all season long over an AL East competitor. Pretty amazing to say that, but uh, and the first time I think you said since last July that they've won a series against the New York Yankees, uh, and the Yankees continue to struggle now eight and fourteen since the All Star break. Still a ten game cushion over the Toronto Blue Jays in that division. Adam, let's uh, continue with the Monday card. You and I were talking about the doubleheader, the Tigers and the Cleveland Indians. And off air, I th- I thought you brought up some very interesting points to look at in your handicap uh, for both of these games that are going to go on Monday. Hutchison versus Savali in the opener. And I believe you know one of the pitchers that is going to go in game two, uh, a rookie that has uh, spent most of the year in AAA. Yeah, so first, this Hutchison-Savali matchup is running back a game that was played last week where the Guardians had plenty of chances against Drew Hutchison, just never dealt the knockout blow. We'll see if they'll be able to here in this one. But Aaron Savali only threw 62 pitches over four innings in his last start. It was his first start since July 13th at the MLB level. So you got a guy going in game one who's probably going to be limited to about 70 pitches. Maybe 80 at the most. Maybe Yeah, 80 if they really push him. 80 at the most. So... You got a guy in game one who's, unless he's extremely efficient, and it's possible against the Tigers, certainly, unless he's extremely efficient, 
you're probably getting four innings, maybe five if you're lucky. So that's going to bring the bullpen into the equation right away in game one. Then in game two, you've got Xavier Curry, who's getting his major league debut. And in six starts at AAA, he's only pitched 32 innings. So that's a guy that he's not really extended out all that far either. So this Guardians bullpen probably gets a really big workout tomorrow. So we'll see how that plays out. They were very fortunate today to win 7-2 to two and not have to use some of their primary relievers. They tacked on a couple of runs in the ninth. But this is something that it may not impact them too much on Monday. But as the week goes along, look at their bullpen usage. You know, A lot of people just say, well, why do you bother with bullpens? Why don't you just bet first fives? Because I think there are betting angles available with understanding where the bullpen is at and knowing the personnel that's out there, knowing who's going to be available for those games. And this Cleveland bullpen could be up against it later on in the week. So I don't know how much it plays into the equation tomorrow. I think it's certainly a possibility that it does. But you know, I would look for uh, their workload here if they're you know because they're not a good offense, right? You don't win by margin if you don't have a good offense more often than not. So I'll be watching this very closely throughout the week in that daily article over at VSN.com and probably talking about it on Twitter as well. And what we're really getting at here is if that bullpen does get overworked, you're looking at possible games going over the total. So try and get out in front of it and keep an eye on that Cleveland Guardians bullpen. The uh, Philadelphia Phillies are at Cincinnati. Uh, newly acquired Noah Syndergaard gets the ball for the Phils, and he'll face Mike Miner. And I tell you what, Adam, Miner has been a fade pitcher for me all season long. I know I've been against him probably three times or so, and I probably should have done so more often. Uh, but this guy uh, just has not been successful at all this year, and the Philadelphia Phillies are a road favorite, minus 175 on the money line with a total of 9.5. Yeah, big old number here for this game. Not really a big surprise with the Reds involved. I actually don't really love the Noah Syndergaard fit here uh, for the Phillies. They're not a good defensive team, and specifically, they're not a good defensive infield. And Syndergaard is a guy that, unless he's going to find a way to increase his strikeout rate, I think it's a little bit of a tough fit for him. It's kind of like what we saw last year when they acquired Kyle Gibson. Wasn't really a huge fan of, of that acquisition. And you know, pitch-to-contact guys with bad defenses can be pretty concerning. I actually think the Maybe over that, is, you know, yeah, exactly. is, is I mean, the play here. You could be exactly onto something why that number is at 9.5. I was thinking minor. We know he gives up a lot of runs, but I, I, I think a great point about Syndergaard. Well, and also, I mean, you know, games in Cincinnati, I mean, that ballpark, the ball yep, just yep. It, it carries extremely well. And you know, the Reds are one of the highest scoring offenses in baseball at home, one of the lowest scoring on the road. This is basically Coors Field East. I mean, that's pretty <laughs> much what this ballpark has become. So, again, We'll see what the weather looks like tomorrow. We'll see if it's going to be hot and humid in Cincinnati. That's always a possibility. But, you know, as long as the Reds are able to put balls in play against Syndergaard, and I think that they will, I think there will be some offensive chances here. The problem is it's over nine, as high as minus 130 out there in the market. So certainly you want to get nine as opposed to nine and a half, which is where this line is trending and will probably be by the morning. But I think that there is the possibility for some runs in this game. What about the Philadelphia Phillies? They've been on quite a run. Uh, an unfortunate couple of losses in great ball games against the New York Mets. Now they were shut out today, six to nothing, uh, but uh, lose just one to nothing when Jacob Degrom just threw a gem on Saturday. Uh, but other than that, Philly's really been on a roll. I think they've won eight out of their last eleven. Um, do you think they are going to make the postseason? I do. I, you know, look, they've kind of stabilized the bullpen. You know, they picked up David Robertson at the trade deadline. He's been very good for them since they acquired him. Uh, Sir Anthony Dominguez has been able to stay healthy, and he's pitched well. 
if you want to be a good team, you have to have a good bullpen. And, and when it goes really bad for the Phillies, it's because of two things. One is the defense. Two is the bullpen. When the bullpen's performing well, this is a good starting rotation. They do have their fair share of leads to protect with guys like Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler. We'll see how Syndergaard ends up doing here in this start. But their bullpen's been much better of late. And as a result, that's kind of catapulted them up that wild card standings board. And, and I do think now at this point, I, I think that they make it. Um, you know, they've upgraded their outfield defense a little bit, which I think is important for them. I, I just, the Brewers concern me there's something going on there. The Padres should be fine. I think they'll make it as well, but the Brewers really concern me. I agree. Um, the, the Padres, I think have some power if they show up and play to their level of ability or potential, if you will. Um, I think they could be a force and I think the same is true with Philadelphia, but, but I am not a buyer on Milwaukee. Yeah, I want to be because I really like them. I love the way that their front office operates, and I also could rationalize and understand the Josh Hader trade that they made. Obviously, the optics don't look great when you're a first-place team and you trade arguably the best closer in baseball when he's healthy, but you know they're a bottom three market size in Major League Baseball. They don't have a high payroll. They've kind of actually stretched their payroll, I think, a little bit further than they expected to with how they've been able to contend. I think it was a deal that they had to make because – Josh Hader is going to command a ton of money next year, and relievers are very volatile. You know, they're they have higher injury risks than any other position in Major League Baseball. I think they felt like they wanted to get out of Hader early as opposed to losing him later on. And I think it made sense, but obviously it's, you know, not really helping them too much for this season. Not because of Hader's performance, but simply because of the message it sent to the clubhouse. The Padres are in Miami to face the Marlins on Monday, and the opener for this series is a heck of a pitching match. It'll be Joe Musgrove taking on Sandy Alcantara. Uh, Alcantara, a heavy favorite to win the National League Cy Young Award, but one of those guys that is not too far behind on the odds board is Joe Musgrove of the San Diego Padres. He opened up as a minus-120 favorite and has actually seen the money here, Adam, which I found to be a little bit surprising, but maybe people just continuing to fade the Marlins after that offense has now gone 15 games in a row, only scoring three runs or fewer. Right now, the Padres minus-130 on the money line and a very low total, as to be expected, of 6.5. So as a daily market watcher, we typically see... Anywhere from a 20 to 30 cent line move almost right away on Sandy Alcantara at home. It happens like clockwork. It used to happen all the time with Pablo Lopez, too, but he's kind of struggled here a little bit of late. It happens like clockwork with Alcantara. If it doesn't happen, that tells me everything I need to know about this game. That tells me about the projection from the modeling crowd that we talked about earlier right. who influences the numbers on these games. It tells me what they think about Joe Musgrove in this matchup. And obviously, the total is pretty suggestive of that as well. So if we don't see the steam that we always see on Alcantara, that is a major indicator to me that the Padres are the right side here in terms of what influential money would do with this game. Now, that being said, I think there will be some people out there that just immediately, blindly take Alcantara as a home dog because, I mean, as you mentioned, he is yeah, the, just the sound the of front Alcantara is right. a home dog, right? He is the front runner for the Cy Young, but... Again, you know, there's no offensive expectation for this Marlins team. So unless Alcantara is going to win this game two to one or one to nothing, it's very hard to see him winning this game. And also something I think it's worth keeping in mind. We talk about innings limits and we talk about guys kind of reaching new thresholds. Alcantara is basically throwing almost 20 innings more than any other starter this mm. season. 
at some point, I think that grind is really going to hurt him. Guys don't turn the lineup over a fourth time anymore, but Don Mattingly has asked him to do it a lot. I think that the workload catches up with him possibly in the month of September. And maybe that is part of the reason that the early money is coming in on Joe Musgrove. I would also be considering the under here in this game. I could see a pretty darn good pitching matchup, and, and you can count on the Marlins not to score typically very many runs. At least that's the case over the last 15 games. We'll come back with some more previews of the Monday slate on the Diamonds in just a moment. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Baseball betting show. This is the run line. The college football guide is out now. Start your football season on the right foot with expert profiles of all 131 college football teams, including team trends, power ratings, and over-under recommendations. Plus our best season bet win totals, Heisman hopefuls, and playoff predictions. The only way to get access to this year's football betting guide is to become a VEASAN all-access subscriber. Sign up for a VEASAN all-access subscription today and get everything we offer for the entire football season, including our upcoming pro football betting guide. Subscribe now at vcin.com slash subscribe. Brady Cannon and Adam Burke here with you for one more segment of the run line before we pass the baton to Scott Seidenberg for the look ahead, a fine baseball handicapper in his own right indeed. And uh, we're continuing to scour the Monday card. Adam and I were talking off air. There are some fantastic pitching matchups in Major League Baseball on Monday. And another one right here between the Mets and the Braves, the two teams, one and two in the National League East Division. Carlos Carrasco and Spencer Strider scheduled to open what is a four-game set in Atlanta. New York will enter the series with a five-and-a-half game lead over Atlanta in the division. And I tell you what, Adam, this ought to be a beauty. And I was thinking about this when I looked at this game and kind of was drawing up our handicap uh, before the show today. I think if New York can escape this four-game series in Atlanta and increase that five-and-a-half game lead in the division to seven-and-a-half games, I think it's over. I think they win it. Yeah, I think so. And, and look, I think something that's really important to talk about here, as I've mentioned already throughout the course of the show, if you can generate swing and miss, you can take care of this Atlanta lineup. They are really, really good. Don't get me wrong. But when they face guys that can generate swing and miss, they don't have the same kind of projection. 
which is part of the reason why the Mets won four out of five in that series. The Mets have a lot of high strikeout pitchers. Carlos Carrasco is just below a strikeout per inning, but his swinging strike rate this season, 13.4%. So that's the percentage of whiffs relative to swings. So this is a guy that does have swing and miss, does have a almost 47% ground ball rate. Carrasco matches up pretty well, I think, with Atlanta because Atlanta wants to pull the ball in the air and wants to be able to make a lot of contact. And it's hard to do all three of those things against Carlos Carrasco. So you mentioned this number during the break. I was kind of working on the newsletter here a little bit, but you mentioned this number, and I thought, that's a little high. Like, I love Spencer Strider, but that's a little high. So I'm curious to see if this line comes down a little bit. And as of right now, I think it's Mets or or pass in this game. Yeah, I'm seeing minus 145 on the Atlanta Braves and Strider with a total of eight. Uh, I would probably lean a little bit to the under, and I'd certainly be looking to back the dog here. Um, I know the Braves have kind of picked up. It was other than that series against the Mets when they dropped four out of five. Uh, they have, you know, picked up again where now they have won six in a row. So either one of these teams is tough to get in front of. Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of a situation when you have in, in football. If you've got two teams that are relatively equal, take the dog, take the points, right? Right. I, I think taking the plus money would be the way I would look to go here. The Astros are in Chicago to take on the White Sox. And uh, let's see how good the White Sox really are. Right, Adam? Okay. A, can they make the playoffs? B, can they win the division? And C, will any of it matter? Because are they good enough to make any noise in the postseason anyway? I, I think this series here with a legitimate World Series contender in the Houston Astros is going to answer a lot of those questions. Yeah, I think so too. And, and a tough blow for the Astros here with the announcement that Michael Brantley will not be back this season. That is tough. He's a, I mean, I that's love like, watching him play baseball. He's a man. professional. Oh, he's hitter. so good. I, I, it was, it was great to watch him for so many years in Cleveland. Just. You know, he he rolls over to second base a little bit too much for me. Mm-hmm. That's the mm-hmm. one flaw about his position, about his uh, you know performance as a player here. But interesting one here because it looks like Jose Urquidy and Johnny Cueto in this one. And Johnny Cueto is a guy that I've talked about in the regression report on the show and also written about in Point Spread Weekly. So uh, no line on this game though. So I'm not sure if there's some question about who's well, actually I saw, oh, it's just popping I saw, now. Yeah, I saw minus one thirty on uh, the Astros, a road favorite, and a total of eight. Yeah, this one just popping here over the last few minutes. If the Astros are still minus one thirty in the morning when I go through the article, I, I think Houston is is probably the side to look at here. Cueto's a guy low strikeout rate, but he's having a lot of success on balls in play. He's stranding a very high percentage of runners. That's very hard to do if you're not getting a lot of strikeouts, and the Astros don't really strike out. So I don't really expect the the White Sox to do much of anything against your kitty. If I can get this at a decent price, and it's a pretty good price behind us at minus 130 here, I think the Astros are the play. I agree with you. I mean, that's as cheap as you're typically going to find the Houston Astros, and I don't know exactly why there's – I mean, it seems like there's a lot of respect built in that line for the Chicago White Sox. I've already voiced my opinion how I feel about this team, but – you talked about. I thought you made a good point that uh, you know Johnny Cueto may not have a lot of success if he's not able to strike batters out, and he's really no longer a strikeout pitcher. Right. Yeah, and and again, I mean, you know, his batting average on balls in play is very low. His left on base percentage is very high. This is not a particularly good White Sox defensive team. Uh, it's just, I think this is one of those starts where you could see Cueto's regression come into play. 
the Dodgers at the Brewers, and this feels very similar to me, Adam. The Brewers, we're going to find out how good this team really is. This is also a four-game series with the big boys, the Los Angeles Dodgers. And in the opener, it'll be Julio Urias taking on Freddie Peralta. And I think this series right here is going to be very, it's going to tell us a lot uh, about the fact that the uh, Milwaukee Brewers and their their fate, if you will, if they're going to make the postseason, I think they're going to have to split this series at worst. Well, this is a low-key, pretty good pitching matchup, too. I mean, Urias is really, really good, as we know. Freddie Peralta is a guy still trying to work his way back off of injury. This will only be his third start since returning to the rotation. So, you know, he's faced uh, the Pirates and the Rays. So this is a little bit of a step up in class here for Freddie Peralta. And... Something you and I talked about during the break and something I, I probably should have mentioned when we talked about the Dodgers having won 12 straight on the run line up until today. Anytime they are priced under minus 200, they are taking money. Mm-hmm. It's starting a little bit here already for this game, but I think it will continue as we go forward here. If for some reason it doesn't, and this line swings back towards Milwaukee a little bit, again, another context clue in the betting market, reading the tea leaves, another indicator that the people that model and project these things out and all of that, if this line comes down, they like Milwaukee, they like Freddie Peralta. That would say a lot to me because we've seen just automatic fires on the Dodgers at anything under minus 200. You know, it's hard to get in the habit of betting, and I'm seeing roughly minus 163. We've got it up there on the graphic, minus 165. It's right in that ballpark currently. Um and you're not going to get rich betting uh, favorites at that price all along, but it, it feels like it might be a little bit cheap on the Dodgers to me at that number because, you know, we talked about it. Milwaukee is going to have to play a big boy here, and, and we're going to find out a lot about how good this Brewers team is. They haven't even been able to handle St. Louis o- over the last week or so, let alone the Dodgers. Right. It, it's one of those things where are the Dodgers invested? Yeah. If the answer is yes. Yeah. You're they right. It's getting to that the point where they they might. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, what do they call it in the NBA? Um, <laughs> rest ma- load management. Load management. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, and, and like I said, I mean, this team is just they're deep. You know, they don't have to use relievers three out of four days because they can throw kind of anybody out there. So it's just a really really strong team. And, and again, I mean, I think they're they lost today, but I think they're thirty three and six over their last thirty nine games or something like that. Unbelievable. And that snapped a streak of 12 straight games that also covered the runs line. All right, one more game to get to that is involving a team that is in a pennant race. Uh, That is not the Kansas City Royals. Their season is all but over, but they do have an opportunity to play spoiler the rest of the way as they visit the Minnesota Twins, who are in second place in the AL Central, looking up at the Cleveland Guardians. This will be Chris Bubik against Joe Ryan, your current listed starters. And the Minnesota Twins are minus 190 at home on the money line with a total of 8.5, Adam. The Twins uh, have been in a little bit of a funk, just went out to Los Angeles and lost a couple in a row to the Angels. Real quick, I just want to mention the Dodgers have lost consecutive games once since June 28th. So, well, <laughs> I guess they... I mean, they haven't, the they haven't lost much, so it's you know pretty small sample size That's in that regard. That's true, too. But uh, look, in, in this Royals-Twins game, I'm going to take a pretty deep dive into this game because I think I like the Royals at that big underdog price. Chris Bubich has actually pitched really well over his last few starts. He stopped walking guys. He kind of changed his pitch usage and his pitch arsenal up a little bit. 
He's been much, much better. Whereas Joe Ryan, since he came back from the injured list, or he had a bout with COVID, uh, he's kind of struggled a little bit. He's a guy that will give up some home runs. So kind of interested here maybe in taking the Royals. Twins first game back after a long road trip. So yeah. maybe that's one of those situational angles we look at. But Bubich has been pretty good. So I'm kind of thinking Royals plus 175 might be a decent underdog look. Seems like the frame of mind might be a little better for the Royals in the role of the spoiler here for the Twins, who are losing ground fast on the lead in that division. Thank you very much, my friend. Absolutely, It'll be uh, Ben Wilson back at the desk here next week uh, to do the run line with Adam. Thank you to Jason Kahn, our producer. Next up, it is Scott Seidenberg for the look ahead right here at VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Regular season. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.